This is the Dynasty Happy Hour Podcast Network. Hey everybody, before we get into this episode, I wanted to go ahead and put a message out there that uh, I am still running the Fantasy Insanity Celebrity Eliminators. You can go to fantasycares.net to sign up right now. Uh, just We just added some more celebrities to eliminate, including tonight's guest, Ryan McDowell. So if you want to draft in a league with him, feel free to go there and sign up. It's 10 bucks, raise some money for Fantasy Cares. And uh, you can have a fun draft and play in one of the Fantasy Insanity Eliminators. Thanks a lot, and uh, enjoy the show. That's the problem with being a boss, is that when you are tough, they resent you, and when you are cool, they walk all over you. Catch-22. Catch-22. Yes? All right, welcome back to Fantasy Insanity. Uh, tonight, I bring back the guest that was on the premiere episode of this podcast, Ryan McDowell, thanks for joining me again. How are you doing tonight? Doing well, John. How are you? I am doing just fine. I'm excited to find out uh, exactly what brought about Catch-22. I've been waiting to hear about this league for about a year uh, because this way we get to talk about more than just the idea of it. We get to kind of talk about what all happened in the first year and and how it turned out. So uh, before we get into it, though, obviously, just in case anybody doesn't know Ryan McDowell, uh, where where can they find you and everything? Sure, I'm I'm kind of kind of everywhere right now. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Keeping pretty busy. Of course, most of my work can be found at DynastyLeagueFootball.com at DLF. Uh, also, doing some work for RotoWorld and Four for Four dot com. Uh, let's see, I've got a got a few podcasts going, uh, Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson, and also just started uh, started a new pod with over at DLF with Curtis Patrick called the Player Raider Podcast, really focusing in on player value. Uh, and then also have Commish Impossible with Scott Fish at DLF, and also with Scott Fish uh, have the... Uh, Bullrush. The Bullrush. Wow. I, I knew I would forget one. I knew I'd forget one. I'm sorry, Scott and Frank. Uh, no, no, yeah. Asking you to list all your stuff is uh, is a cheap way for me to get out of having to do it because I know <laughs> I would miss more than one. Uh, you definitely got a full plate. So I appreciate you squeezing me in to do an episode with me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I was glad to be on your, your first episode ever and uh, and glad to be back tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you came back. Uh, how, how often, <laughs> how many days a week do you have where you do not record a podcast at this point? Well, not not all of those are, are weekly pods. So um, I usually, usually three or four days without uh, in, in a normal week. <laughs> that's three or four days guesting somewhere or recording your own. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty intense, pretty intense, but... At least it gives you something to do over the summer as you're waiting to go shape young minds in the fall again. Right? Oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> try to try to enjoy those summers. <laughs> so, all right. Well, well, we'll get into the league that uh, you probably daydreamed up while you were teaching uh, and thinking about fantasy football, I, I can only assume. Uh, Catch-22, which was a league that you started last year. Uh, give us a little overview of it and just kind of what what exactly brought this idea on. Um, sure. I guess, I guess what really brought on the, the idea for catch 22 was, was really just a bad case of rookie fever. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it was a year in advance. So this time last year, even though uh, a lot of people were still doing their 
2016 rookie drafts, um, I was thinking about, and, and so many others already were thinking about this, this class of 2017, which just became so hyped up uh, over the past year or more. Uh, but just looking at some of the players that uh, were expected to be part of that class and in all of my, across all of my leagues, trying to trade for as many 2017 rookie picks as I could. And um, John, I'm sure you had this experience and all of your listeners did as well. It was nearly impossible to acquire um acquire additional 2017 picks. I mean, they were being valued so highly uh, as, as if they were already NFL producers. So uh, with that in mind, I just I, I kind of threw it out on Twitter one day that I would be willing to join a league, skip the entire startup draft, and and build my team from the waiver wire. And in exchange for that, I, I would get the entire first round of the 2017 uh, rookie draft. So that kind of started as a joke. I got a little bit of pushback from, uh, from some buddies and uh, got laughed at a little bit for that. And then one guy that uh, I'm not, not really too familiar with, have, haven't interacted with him much, but he responded and said, uh, my buddies and I are starting a new league. I'll run it by them and see what they say. <laughs> and I actually never ended up hearing back from him on that, but it just got me thinking like, maybe we could really do this. Maybe this is, uh, this is an experiment, a, a, another unique league that I might like to try. And I've, I've tried to build over the years, some, some unique leagues and, and different types of leagues that are, uh, just not your typical dynasty league. So I thought this, this might be another, uh, another one of those in, in that family. Um, so, so that's really where the idea came from. Um, once I decided to actually run with it, kind of sketched out some rules, really a, a very common format as far as the dynasty league outside of, of this catch 22 being that, uh, one person would skip the startup draft, build their team from the waiver wire, and then get the entire first round of the rookie draft the following year. One night, like I said, I just finally decided, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to throw this, throw this again out on Twitter. I think that's that's where I've had a lot of luck uh, filling leagues and and getting some people to play in dynasty leagues with. So I remember I I did this kind of late on a Saturday evening. Uh, I wake up the next morning, Sunday morning, and have just gotten a ton of responses. Of course, I was looking for eleven more to join me and and try this out. I made it obvious and made it clear what the parameters were as far as they would not have a first round pick in 2017. Um, I think a lot of people viewed it as as an experiment, kind of like I did, uh, but. Yeah, I got an overwhelming response, way more than the 11 I needed. So what grew from that was I filled my league with the first uh, the first 11 folks I heard from. And then some of the other uh, writers at DLF, some of my coworkers there, I heard from them and and they were saying, Hey, I want to, I want to try this out too. I want to be the, that person who skips the draft and gets the entire rookie draft. So we actually end up filling six different catch 22 leagues with six riders at DLF, uh, 
holding that spot the same as mine where we skipped the startup draft. And, and then of course we got the, all the rookie picks, or I should say all the first round rookie picks in 2017. So it it really was an interesting uh, strategy. I don't, I don't want to say strategy. (laughs) I don't even know. It It was an interesting experiment, I guess that, how can when you build a team through the waiver wire what what can you hope to end up with obviously our teams were um were likely to to struggle if left as is uh it was it, it was also neat to see and compare the six different strategies that we used uh and we can talk more about mine later but i didn't end up making very many moves throughout the year um some of some of the others is the Elkafas. I know is, is is one of the guys who uh, held that role. He made a ton of trades, including getting Odell Beckham Jr. and um, and I think I'd have to check for sure. I think he maybe even made the playoffs or or was very close to it. So Izzy made a bunch of trades, and I I made actually ended up making very few moves uh, with that team, and. It, but of course, most of us ended up either uh, finishing last in the league, as we kind of expected, or or at least in the bottom two or three. So, uh, one of the most fun parts of a dynasty league is that initial startup. Uh, you know, it get, takes well for some people only a week. Some people it takes two or three weeks. That's an experience that, uh, like, I almost I almost can't imagine missing and. I'm assuming that since you're running it, you're also monitoring uh, the startup. How, what was it like to kind of have to? What was it like to sit out a startup of a league that you're in? How hard was that? It was. It was pretty difficult. Um, you know, it was. It was around this time of year. It was after the NFL draft. Um, so there, there was plenty of other stuff going on as far as some rookie drafts in some of my other leagues and, and trying to do some writing and things like that. So I had, I had other things keeping my attention, but it was still difficult to see some of your favorite players, players I would typically target in, in a draft come off the board. And, and I knew I couldn't do much about it. Um, that was one of the rules we had was, um, that you could not make a startup pick. So even though uh, all my picks were, were bypassed, uh, I, I also couldn't trade any of those future picks for startup picks. Now, if you wanted to work out a trade uh, and consummate it after the draft, then, then you could do that. But, um, but no, you couldn't actually physically make a startup pick. So it, it, yeah, it was tough, you know, seeing, Amari Cooper and Randall Cobb, guys that I would love to have on my team, uh, be drafted and uh, and not really much I could do about it. But uh, I, I I have to say I was kind of pleasantly surprised with what was left over. Um, it's catch twenty two not only because of the the good and the bad that came with my situation, but also because we have twenty two man rosters. That's a little bit smaller than the typical dynasty league I would uh, that I play in. Uh, so there were there were some decent options that I was able to snag off the waiver wire, and, and that was the other rule that uh, the the people in my shoes got the first crack at the waiver wire. Okay. Um, so as soon as that draft ended, we chose our twenty two players, filled our teams, and then went from there. And so this is uh, they're each twelve team leagues, correct? And yes, 
single quarterback, single tight end. Is that uh, that that correct? And then how many flexes? Yeah, really one of each position, and okay. then um, and then four flex spots. But um, yeah, no super flex, no tight end premium. Again, just really, really a very kind of by the book standard dynasty league outside of this unusual way to get it started. Yeah, so even with only going twenty two rounds, plus it's only eleven picks per round. Uh, you know, then you're actually only looking at probably, you know, what's that math like come out to be about 20 actual rounds of, of players. So the, the waiver wire probably did have a, a little bit um, of depth. Uh, what were what were some of the uh, gems that you were able to find on that waiver wire? And, and how was it in that last round when you're looking at guys thinking, don't pick this guy, don't <laughs> pick this guy, don't pick this guy. That's really how it was. I, I probably paid more attention to the last round than I did any of the others maybe even combined because I did, I started building my list as the draft uh, neared uh, completion and then uh, was, was crossing people off as, as they got picked, hoping that a few (laughs) snuck through. Um, I I found that, I guess it was one thing I really liked about this experiment, other than uh, being in the driver's seat in, in this recent rookie draft that we held, it it really kind of gave me some good reminders about player value it reminded me how difficult it is to find playmakers and and fantasy impact players at the running back and wide receiver position. Um, It was actually pretty easy to, to come up with some quarterbacks and tight ends. Uh, I, I feel like I really, um, I mean, I wasn't competitive with the teams that were rolling out Aaron Rodgers or Rob Gronkowski, but um, one player I got off the waiver wire that first, uh, that first round, as soon as the draft ended, was Kyle Rudolph. And, uh, you know, he went undrafted. <clears throat> excuse me. And he ended up last year as the tight end, too. So other than Travis Kelsey, I had the best tight end in fantasy football last year, and I got him off the waiver wire after a 22-round draft. Um I found that I was just really active, and this this format, this league, forced me to, to be – even more active than maybe I normally would on that waiver wire. The, the first, uh, the first go or the first time waivers processed after that, uh, after the draft, I ended up actually choosing four quarterbacks, which was more than um, I guess more than I typically would, but I got Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jimmy Garoppolo, Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith. Um, so all of those guys, of course, went undrafted, along with Rudolph at the tight end position. I added uh, Ben Watson, so I felt pretty set there. There there weren't many young options at that point on the waiver wire. But then running back and wide receiver was really ugly. Most of these names I don't I don't even want to mention. Shane Vereen was probably the best running back I I added. Uh, wide receiver was a little better. Kenny Britt, Marquise Lee, Kenny Stills. All those guys went undrafted. Ted Ginn. Uh, so, so I was able to get all those. I took a shot on a few rookies who did not pan out, uh, and, and they didn't last long on my roster. So, basically, I was able to add two or three players that we could say have some real dynasty value later in the off season before the before the regular season started. I got Cameron Brait. I got Dak Prescott, which was a big one. Um, Cole Beasley was another player, Dennis Pitta. Uh, And then actually kind of doing my homework and looking back on this as I prepared for this podcast, John, this, this hurts. Uh, (laughs) 
Tyreek Hill. I, I added oh, no. Tyreek Hill, and a few weeks later, a couple weeks later, dropped him. Oh my! Uh, and and now I'm just looking back on that, thinking, why would I have ever done that? Even uh, even if he hadn't shown anything, if he hadn't been playing at that point, you know, why keep? Colin Kaepernick over him. Why keep, uh, I don't know, any of these guys. That that one really hurts. My team could have could have looked a lot different in the long term, uh, but I gave up, for some reason, gave up on Tyreek Hill way too soon. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's tough. Sorry to make you look back and, uh, and see that. Uh, it definitely hammers home that it, why does anybody play single quarterback for one? Uh, <laughs> Because Superflex is way more fun, but if you're not playing Superflex, I, there's just you got court, you got starting quarterbacks, and you got Dak, who's a high quality starter quarterback in Dynasty at this point. Like you got him for nothing. I, that's I, I don't think I'll ever play in a single quarterback league again. But if I ever did, I don't know if I'd draft a quarterback until almost the last round at this point now. Yeah, I mean the Dak. The Dak situation was kind of kind of a lucky break, honestly. I mean, that was that's not something that's going to happen um, every year, as far as that situation. And like I said, I was I was active and aggressive on the waiver wire, sometimes too aggressive, if we think about that Tyree Kill situation. <laughs> but um, I mean, this point last year, Fitzpatrick was a starter, uh, Kaepernick was a starter, and of course, Alex Smith was a starter, and, and Garoppolo still had those trade rumors. As uh, I guess he's still kind of does. Um, so I felt like I, I got three, three starters, not fantasy starters, but I got three NFL starters and a high upside backup off the waiver wire. Um, and, and then once later, once I got Dak and I saw what I had in him, you know, I was able to drop Fitzpatrick and drop uh, some of those other guys. Yeah. You probably ended up uh, when the year started, you probably had more quarterbacks on your roster than, a lot of the other players now, granted that's because they had more room for some better running backs and receivers, but uh, at least it allowed you to kind of solidify one position. And then you got to solidify tight end by getting Kyle Rudolph. And then I assume that as the year went, you know, other than Tyree kill you, you kind of tried to really target adding running back and wide receiver. And then I'm interested to hear how the draft went uh, when we get to that point. Cause I'm assuming you really hammered in, running back and wide receiver in this rookie draft. But, uh. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, looking back and I know, I know I added a lot of these players. I would try to add every week. And again, with, with small rosters, the waiver wire is different than maybe what we're used to in our other leagues. But I was always trying to add kind of the flavor of the week off the waiver wire. Um, not with the intention of trying to win a game, or get into the playoffs, I wasn't in a position to do that, but only to sell them, uh, to make a trade. And I ended up only making two trades that entire first year, um, I guess through the the end of uh, the NFL regular season. And, I mean, I would – I think even – about a full year into this, I would have, I would do things totally differently if I had them to do over Um, like adding, you know, carrying some of these veterans who were not going to make an impact on my team at all and had no trade value. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of those. 
Um, like he's never going to have trade value. I don't even care if he starts for my team. I don't really care if he's an NFL starter because I don't necessarily want to win games that first year with the situation I was in. So yeah, I, w- I would definitely have done have some things to do over if I could, and obviously keeping Tyreek Hill would be one of those. <laughs> so what were what were the two trades that you did make throughout the year? Um, both were pretty late in the year as teams were kind of preparing for the playoffs. Um, and obviously I knew I was not going to be in the playoffs. I, the funny thing is because I was so active on the waiver wire, I got to, to a point at the end of the season, I didn't have very many players I wanted to drop. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though outside of Dak and, and hitting on a couple of these other guys, I didn't have any fantasy stars but at the same time, I had a bunch of good, you know, good solid backup type players that I didn't want to get rid of. Um, so not only was I uh, trying to sell sell parts for picks and, and youth, I was also trying to start some consolidation deals to um, narrow my roster down because obviously I, I would have a lot of picks coming up uh, in the spring. Um, one move I made was – I traded um, James Starks for Nelson Aguilar, which probably ended up being a lose-lose deal. Uh, I think Starks Starks was the starter at that point, and that was before uh, before Ty Montgomery kind of took off there. Uh, and then Aguilar, I don't think I even kept him. I don't think he made the cuts for my rookie picks. <clears throat> and then uh, I also traded Beasley and Britt for a second-round pick. That's probably, uh, that's probably worth it. I, you know, like you said, consolidate and, uh, you were about to come into a, you know, a windfall of players that you don't want to get rid of. So you obviously, you said you finished last place, not shocking. So you would have earned the one one with this, right? Uh, I assume everybody else got a pick then in the second round and beyond. You just got the whole first round. You said, correct? Yes, that's right. So everybody else had had their second and third round picks. Uh, at least they had their original picks. Some had traded those. Uh, and then I finished last. So I actually ended up with the first 13 picks, not just the top 12. Um, and then once, you know, once we got closer to the draft, that's that's when things kind of started picking up and I was able to make uh, a few more trades. Um about uh, probably about a month before the draft, I traded the 2.07 uh, for John Brown. So that's actually the pick that I had acquired for Beasley and Brett. Um, so that that mid second rounder for John Brown, he was he's a player I've been targeting in a lot of my leagues this off season, and I thought that was um, a pretty good value for me. And at that time, really outside of Brett and um, well, I'm sorry. I'd already dealt bread at that point. Uh, I, I think I, I had like Kenny Stills and Marquise Lee, and that was really it. Uh, so I had the draft coming up. I knew the this class was a little bit weaker at wide receiver than it is at running back, and getting a guy like Brown who can be a wide receiver three for me, ideally, hopefully not my wide receiver one. Uh, but I, I knew that was probably a good move for me. And then – when when NFL draft weekend came around, obviously I'm sitting there with the first 13 picks. Uh, that's that's I think when rookie fever really kicks in for dynasty owners, and we were going to have our draft uh, that Sunday, just the, as soon as the draft wrapped up. Basically, I announced that any and all picks were for sale. That I was looking for 
youth wide receiver and uh, and got some talks going pretty quickly with a couple different people and was able to make two pretty big moves. Um, I sold the 1.02 pick along with Kenny Stills and Rudolph for Sammy Watkins. Wow. And then, uh, and then I sold the 1.5, the 1.6, and the 1.9 for Amari Cooper. So you still got your Amari. <laughs> so I got Amari. I'm, I'm still working on Randall Cobb. I don't have him yet. But, but I got Amari. I gave up the 5.6 and the 9. Uh, I thought that was uh, good value um, at, at that point, and, and, and maybe they still do. But at that point, people were talking about that top six as the top tier uh, of rookie drafts. And giving up two of those picks hurt a little bit, but they were the five and six. I knew um, that would still leave me with three of the top six picks, even after moving the two for Sammy. And, and to, you know, to have to go from almost nothing to Cooper, Watkins, and John Brown, along with a couple of other guys I had, I knew that was a move I had to make. Yeah, so you're getting ready to start the draft then. You're looking solid at quarterback improving big time at wide receiver. How did, uh, how did you handle the draft then? Well, for me, Corey Davis was the one, one uh, pretty much no matter the situation. Also knowing that I had multiple other picks and would be able to, um, to get some running backs with those, like the three and the four pick. Uh, so I took Davis first overall, um, and then the, I, I had traded the two pick, and uh, that owner took Fournette. So to me, the top four was pretty clear. I took Mixon and McCaffrey to finish out the top four. Um, the five pick is one that I had traded away as part of the Amari Cooper deal, and he took Mike Williams at five. So at that point, he began – he was shopping the six pick with um, with Dalvin Cook on the board – and I got another offer. So this is the same the same guy I uh, made the Amari Cooper deal with. Uh, he made me a, a really a fair deal, a fair offer. Uh, so I traded up, and the deal ended up being the 1.06 and the 2.05 for the 1.8 and the 2.1. Okay. So I move up. I take Dalvin Cook with the 6, and then uh, actually I took Juju Smith-Schuster with the 6 and Dalvin Cook with the 7. Um and then I had a I had a couple of picks that were not mine. John Ross and Zay Jones go off the board at eight nine. And then I've got three more picks. Uh, I took a couple of tight ends, Ingram and OJ Howard, and then also took Kamara at eleven. So then after after that first round, um, it, do you have your what your basically what your roster would be then? And to give a little rundown, you you would have Dak, uh, Fournette, McCaffrey, Kamara. Uh, and yeah, then actually, wide receivers, Watkins, yeah. Cooper, um, Corey Davis, Juju. Uh, I feel like I might miss an or, Oh, and John Brown. Yeah. Actually, I, d- okay. I didn't have Fournette. So, or not Fournette. But, I'm sorry. McCaffrey. Right. Yeah. yeah you, you had it right. So basically, uh, yeah, Dak at quarterback and then um, really nothing of substance at running back other than what I, ha- what I acquired in the draft. So, yeah, Mixon, McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Kamara. Uh, I had the two tight ends plus uh, Cameron Brait. I had traded Rudolph, and then uh, and then wide receiver is really where I'd done the work. Sammy Amari, John Brown, um, and then drafted both Juju Smith-Schuster and Corey Davis. 
Okay. And did you pick anybody else up during the draft a little bit later that you think might hit? Uh, I did. I also had the two five. So that was part of that part of that trade up deal. I moved down from two one to two five and Kareem Hunt fell to two five, oh, which wow. okay. um, that's that the, I guess the longer that we've gone away from the draft that, that probably wouldn't happen now. He's he's more of a, a late first rounder. So I get Kareem Hunt at two five. Uh, also had the three point oh one, which was my own pick, and drafted Taewon Taylor there. Okay, so now you've got yourself a young roster, which is obviously how you typically will build your team, anyways. Uh, and after a year, this your team could honestly have looked like this after one year, anyways. Uh, not quite as rookie heavy. But uh, how do you feel about it going into year two now? Do you feel like you're going to be competing, or do you think you have one more year of productive struggling? <laughs> I, I, honestly, I mean, maybe this is just, again, that rookie fever in full effect, but I really feel like I, I can compete. I, I went ahead and submitted that starting lineup. I always like to do that just to give – Give myself makes you feel makes you feel good, doesn't it? It does. It makes me feel like the season's <laughs> close, maybe. But but it also gives me a, a good idea of uh, some holes in my lineup potentially. Mm-hmm. But as of now, that starting lineup, as you mentioned, very rookie heavy. But Prescott, Cook, McCaffrey, Mixon, uh, Cooper, Watkins, Brown, Corey Davis, and then uh, probably one of the. Buccaneers at tight end, Bray or Howard, I guess whoever emerges as the starter there. Um, so, yeah, a very young team. Continue to play the waiver wire and be active there. But I, I think I can probably sneak into the playoffs if, if really if just two of those rookie running backs hit, I, I think I'll be okay. So what was the reaction of uh, the other owners that, you know, were – obviously some still got to draft in the first round, but – what was it like when one of them approached you trying to get a pick? Did you feel like you had a little bit of a hammer just because like who wants to go a whole round without picking, you know, and you were the only one that could give that pick to them. Right. What was that feeling like? <laughs> I get early on. I thought, I thought there would be a lot of that. Uh, I thought I expected to, I expect a lot of trade offers, honestly. Uh, and there were a few early on, but um Really, throughout the year, as, as the season went along, didn't get a ton of trade offers. I, I guess people, you know, began focusing on trying to win that season rather than acquiring future picks. Um, so the trade talks, like I said, really didn't get started until right before the draft started. But uh, overall, there weren't a lot of a lot of trade talks. There weren't a lot of folks trying to get those picks. Uh, and when they did, of course, they were making offers for the picks that that looked like they would be high ones, um, mine or or some of the other teams that were were having a rough year. Um, and those, <laughs> I was protecting those, of course. <laughs> oh, okay. So it wasn't just you. Okay, so the the picks were still given out in order based on order of finish. Uh, it wasn't just like you just had all twelve. You, they were specific. They were targeting specific picks during the year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They were still assigned to each team, so it was, uh, you know, first rounder of whatever team name. Okay, that makes sense. And uh, I'm actually a little surprised that people were able to, uh, you know, hold themselves back. It has just – I don't even trade into – like, I never trade up in drafts. I just always trade back because it seems to work. 
Uh, the one league that I did try and like make big trades gets addicting to when you when you're like going for that, and uh, so I try and avoid it because I don't want to go that way because I feel like I give up too much. But uh, I'm surprised to hear that a, a whole bunch of dynasty owners were able to hold themselves back and not just be chomping at the bit for that, you know, uh, to try and get that first round pick from you. I guess maybe, I mean, you would, you would have to ask them, but maybe the mindset was they knew, (laughs) you know, with the, basically with the purpose of this league being one, one team would have the entire first round. Maybe they just assumed, uh, that I wasn't, uh, I wasn't a willing participant in selling those picks <laughs> or, or that they would have to overpay for them, which is, which might be the case. Uh, but I, I think in the end it worked out. It, it was funny that um, you, you ask about the response. You know, I send out the email as the, as the league commissioner, I send out the email. We're starting the draft tomorrow at this time. I did get a lot of response on that one as far as like, yeah, have fun, Ryan. Yeah. You know, <laughs> let us know when the second round starts and things like that. So, so, so what was the, uh, what was the clock on the pick timer for round one? <laughs> we, we got through round one pretty quickly. I'd say, <laughs> um, let's see. Round one started. It, we actually started Saturday night um, after the draft ended and uh, we were done by, uh, early the next morning. So yeah, it, it, <laughs> it took, uh, it took less than 12 hours, including some, some overnight hours to get through that first round. So you didn't spend much time on the clock waiting for offers to come flying in. You, you had been waiting a year for these rookies. You were taking them, huh? Yeah, pretty much. And, and uh, you know, the, I think the tiers and the way we value rookies changes, um, from immediately after the draft in the coming weeks, as you have some, you know, you have some time to step away and take a deep breath and, and really look at the situations. And um, so, yeah, just looking at these picks now, again, this we did this on April 29th. We started as soon as the draft ended, basically. And I, I think a draft that's going on right now would look a lot different than this. I mean, I mentioned Hunt falling to the 2-5, uh, but there were other picks. Samaj P. Ryan, who's kind of become – that late, uh, a late first rounder, he fell to towards the end of the second round. That's another, uh, another pick that kind of looks um, already like a great value. And, and, you know, there's some picks that we won't talk about that kind of look like reaches to me at this point. <laughs> not yours, not yours, right? Well, hopefully not, but <laughs> they might end up that way. So now, you know, like you said, everybody was really, 2017 has been the 2017 class forever, uh, but uh, people are already talking, you know, well, next year's 2018. And the reason 2017, it, you know, maybe it wasn't as good as everybody kind of expected was because not everybody came out. But now, of course, 2018 is going to be awesome. Is this something that you could see working basically any year because of the hype? Or is 2017 unique just because it was so hyped up? Well, a, a little bit of both, honestly. Um, I don't, I don't want a cop out answer there, but <laughs> I think you could do it almost any year if you get. I mean, if you think about like a startup dynasty draft, the top twelve rookies are going to be gone typically by let's say the the first eight rounds. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I think that's probably fair. So, 
if you can go, come out of the top eight rounds of a dynasty um, startup draft with a dozen players already and everybody else has seven or eight, then you have to feel like you're already ahead of the game. Maybe not in that, in, in that short term, but at least overall. You, you got 12 of the top um, 96 or, or whatever that math is. Um, that's kind of how I viewed it. So I think it comes down to picking the right players, which is easier said than done sometimes, and, and then the trades that you make to go along with it. You hit on a couple of players off the waiver wire like I did with Dak Prescott and Cameron Bray and Kyle Rudolph. And, yeah, I think you can turn turn a team into a contender pretty quickly. So do you see as would there would there be any way to work into the league uh, where you could, you know, try it again? Um, not necessarily like a, another complete restart, but is there any way that an owner could agree, you know, I will – sit you know sit out some sort of year i'm just trying to figure out how you can get that sense of excitement again in the same league i wonder if there would be a way to actually do that in any way have you thought about that at all yet how you can make it so you get all 12 rookie picks again i i have thought about it and uh, none of the other guys in the league are interested in that (laughs) but um no i have thought about in, in general how you know does this just turn into now just your basic league we kind of had the twist that really took was was a year in the making you know the twist was I, i didn't participate in the startup draft build your team through the waiver wire and then you get all these rookie picks so uh that that was a long wait that you know for that payoff um and that, I you don't, spent tw- that you spent 12 hours enjoying as you picked all of them up. <laughs> exactly. I, I really should have stretched that out longer um, rather than, you know, getting it all, all done at one, at one time. Um, but no, I, I have thought about that as far as, yeah, just, does this just turn into kind of your typical league now or are there, uh, is there somewhere else to go with it? Are there other twists? Um, and, there's, I don't know. I haven't come up with anything. There's probably not in this specific league only because it wasn't discussed at the beginning. Uh, yeah, at the beginning. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to throw anything like that uh, on the rest of the participants at this point. Um, but I have heard of of some other folks starting catch twenty two leagues, uh, even with this twenty eighteen class coming up, which, like you said, looks like another really strong group. Um, I don't know that. Yeah. That's, that's something I would have to think about if I were to do another one. All righty. Um, so how did the other, how did the other, you, you know, you mentioned there are six in total of these. Hey, have you spoken to the other owners that filled your shoes in them? And uh, like, well, how did they enjoy the experience or hate the experience of sitting out? Have you uh, gotten any feedback from any of them? Um. Yeah, we. I mean, I think probably, probably similar experiences. We talked a lot when the league first started a year ago, um, sharing some strategies as far as which players to target, and we ended up uh, picking up a lot of the same players as you might imagine. Um, and then when when the draft, the rookie draft, got close, we had. A, a lot of other conversations. And like I said, at that point, some people had almost all their picks left. Uh, like I did some, some folks had made a bunch of trades and 
didn't have too many left, but um, that like that was one of the the neat things I think was just to see the different strategies play out, and um, so that that was one of the benefits that I I didn't necessarily see coming as as part of this league experiment, but uh, but was was helpful. Just uh, do me a favor and win a championship doing it before Izzy does. Make sure, make sure you don't let Izzy get to that championship before. Oh you man, go. he's he's he is on the path with Odell and and some other good players. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't sound promising for the world. <laughs> so, but uh, all right. So, I mean, I, I think that's basically all of uh, Catch Twenty Two. Is there anything in there that we we've, we've missed? I mean, like you said, it's basically just the startup part that's really the big twist, but. Obviously, it's interesting enough that we can talk for however long we did about it. Yeah, it it, it was an interesting format for sure. Um, and now that you mention it, I I do wish there were kind of more to it. Um, you know, some of my other leagues have unique twists that play out year after year. Um, and now Catch Twenty Two is just one of those other, you know, one of those normal leagues, and I try to avoid those. But um, we'll see. We'll see how quickly I can turn this team into a title contender. Yeah, it's a, it's it, it might be normal, but it's uh it's still going to bring that challenge and definitely satisfaction when you when you inevitably get to the top. Obviously, right? I mean, you know. well, I, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. There, there's definitely some good competition in that league. Uh, a, a lot of strong owners. So I. Uh, I have my work cut out for me, and as we've talked about, this this is a super young team. I think I need to keep active on that waiver wire, find some veterans to kind of help balance that out, and maybe a couple of other starter uh, starting level players uh, before I'm ready to really contend. But hopefully, hopefully, I can sneak into the playoffs this year. When was the last time you joined a league that was just a quote normal league? Oh wow! Um, Not recently, at least. Yeah, no, nothing comes to mind. And I guess if I have, you know, honestly, those are probably the leagues that I end up just not enjoying and and not sticking with. And I hate to leave leagues, but um, when it gets to the point where I'm not enjoying it, I know I'm not necessarily putting my best effort into into the league in general then I know at that point it's, it's probably better to step away anyway. Uh, but yeah, if there's, if there's not something a, a little unique, at least in auction format or, uh, or super flex, like you talked about earlier, then I don't want to say they're boring, uh, but yeah, they're kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I, I think we've covered everything in the league. So, we will go out of the league just for a couple of questions. Uh, first one is still fantasy football, kind of a general strategy question. And this is because of what Kevin Cotillo and I just did in Kitchen Sink 3. Um, when, when you're in a league like Kitchen Sink and, you know, just the waiver wire is depleted. There is nothing there. Um, and for those that don't know Kitchen Sink 3, we have what's the all-purpose money. There is a free agent auction. Kevin and I went all in on Marshawn Lynch because we thought he's one guy that can actually help us. Uh, what are your thoughts on, not necessarily Marshawn Lynch, but uh, in your when you're in a league like that and there is just that one player that all of a sudden you think can make that difference, What? how do you 
do you believe in going all in for them or do you kind of try and hold back and see what, see if you can try and get, you know, a few guys that you can get a shot on that might turn out throughout the year? No, I think going all in is definitely the right strategy. If you're in a league like that, (laughs) that, um, that's, you know, deep and waiver wire is pretty, pretty barren, then yeah, I have no problem with going all in. If we're talking, you know, I I know you're specifically talking about a a free agent auction that we're doing in kitchen sink right now, but it it would be the same way if you're talking about blind bid waivers. Uh, And I've seen, I've seen some blind bid waivers where Lynch went for 100% of the budget for the, for the whole year. And yeah, if you have, 25 or more man rosters. I don't, I don't really have a problem with that. Assuming you have some type of first come first serve, you can still pick people up for free to cover bye weeks and things like that. I don't have any issue with that at all. Yeah. And that's kind of what Kevin and I kind of decided on. We've kind of figured we can, no matter how many guys we pick up, none of them are going to have the same chance to have an impact on our starting lineup as Marshawn Lynch is going to have this year. So that's why we went there. All right, now we'll now we'll do one non fantasy one. Uh, so Uh-oh. since you're a big Disney, big Disney fan, yes. What, what's your favorite park? And when you get there, what is the first attraction that you have to see? And what is the last thing that you have to do before you leave? That's a, wow. That's a good one. Um, well, my, my entire family is Disney crazy. Uh, Really, with the exception of me, I, I'm just kind of the tag along. My wife oh, is no. my wife is is a big uh, Disney fan. She's been I don't even know how many times. She's a Disney vacation planner. So yeah, if you if you need a Disney trip planned, hit her up and yeah. and we'll take care of you. And of course, my kids love Disney as well. Uh, so they they really enjoy it more than me. So so the correct answer, the true answer, is probably wherever they want to go is, is where we're going. But uh, I mean, for me, magic kingdom has, has to be, uh, you know, my favorite park. They're all, they're all good ones, but magic kingdom is, is the best. And um, I don't know, I guess I probably like uh, the buzz Lightyear ride. Those are pretty fun. Um, But yeah, in reality, it's wherever my wife and kids are, are dragging me. Buzz Lightyear is fun. We got to stay the other, uh, when we got, we just went down on a trip in April, May, I don't, spring break, whenever it was, uh, I guess that was April. And, uh, we got to stay in the park until 2 AM. So my son and I rode Buzz Lightyear, uh, like five times in a row, no wait. And that's all he wanted to do was keep running around. Keep going, keep going. I was like, all right, we've shot Zerg enough. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, those, those are fun times. Those extra magic hours, right? Yes. Yes. Go to sleep in the middle of the day, people. Go home, leave the park at like noon, go back to your hotel, sleep for like two or three hours, and then go back. We had It was actually a day where it opened at 7 a.m. and it closed at 2 a.m. So we were there from like 7 to 1, and then we were there from like 4 a.m. or 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. It was crazy, but uh, kids had a lot of fun. They, they managed to make it. Uh, they didn't get tired, so. All right. <laughs> Well, Ryan, I appreciate you joining me. Um, I won't have you go through your whole list again, but uh, folks, just follow him on Twitter. Listen to all his podcasts. They're all enjoyable. Uh, You know, even with the one with Frank on it, it's still fun. No, I'm just kidding. No, they're, they're they're all a lot of fun. So, Ryan, I appreciate you joining me. Thanks a lot.
Yeah, John. Thanks for having me. It was it was a good time. Always good to be on here with you. All right, now you got to go come up with uh, with a new crazy idea so that I can have you back next year for another another episode. I'll see what I can come up with. <laughs> thanks, Ryan. Uh, oh, as for me, uh, you can interact with me. I'm at Empire FFL. Uh, you know, I always appreciate ratings, reviews, retweets of the show, all that stuff that you share of podcast and help it grow. Thanks, thanks for that, and uh, enjoy the insanity. No!